Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny B, and today I welcome Josie Layton to talk about her beautiful picture book, Reggie Red, illustrated by Rebecca Timmis. Josie loves writing funny stories that sneak a little bit of moral in with a view of changing the conversation about beauty and body image. Welcome, Josie. Hi, how are you going? I'm well. I'm so excited to talk about your book. It's very cute and I really, really liked it. Can you start with an elevator pitch for us? Oh, of course. Okay, so um, Reggie Red is a young girl with crazy curly red hair and freckles who's feeling really insecure about school photo day, um, who ends up seeing other girls in the class reading, um, basically showing each other what sort of things they're going to do to colour their hair and she ends up realizing she goes, crap, I don't look like any of the other girls. I'm going to look two different photos. And she does a series of crazy things to try and fix her hair and to change it until one day she really gives up um, and mum gives her a beautiful pep talk with a poem from Gran. And then um, and the next day she feels great and she helps another friend through the same process and together they learn to embrace themselves. Mm, I love that. And I couldn't deal, I couldn't relate to the red hair, but I could definitely relate to the freckles. So I've learned to embrace the freckles. So, yeah, <laughs> so was that um, something that happened to you or you thought when you were in teenagerhood or I guess that happens to us all, we never feel good enough or we don't feel like we look like everybody else? Was that an experience that you had? Absolutely. So for me growing up, um, so I had the red hair and the freckles and and I had also a really weird skin condition where I have a red face as well. So I've got a, a bit of a combination and um, and as you know, it was in the 90s. So as you know, that there was an era of everyone being rake thin, which I wasn't either. So um, I think the, there's a comedian called Hannah Riley. She's Australian and she puts it really well. She says, as women, we feel like we were born into a beauty contest that we never signed up for. 
Mm. And for me, I feel like not only did I not sign up for it, didn't even qualify. It was like, <laughs> look at all these pictures. I, they don't look like me. I was like, I'm way bigger than all the mannequins at the shops. Like, I was like, oh, I don't qualify. So, um, you know, and that's, I definitely felt that insecurity, especially with school photos days. Like, those photos live on forever. They're in your parents' box of photos and they, you know, they get pulled out and you got to see your, your braces and you got to look at it and they're you know, <laughs> eternal. And those weird fringes. I grew up in a time where you had those really high fringes. So that, that, that's a great look. I felt the same. I mean, I loved your glorious character with her beautiful red hair. And I could never find myself either, you know, growing up as, you know, my dad's Dutch Indonesian and my mum's Australian. So even though she had red hair, I thought, oh, you know, I, I could relate because I could never find myself in books either. It's true. I'm pretty sure that was the thing. Like you think about in that time, this is maybe what, 20, 15, 20 years ago, it was, you know, the Olsen twins and Hillary and Christina and Brittany it was blonde and now I think it's since the Kardashians it's the brunette revolution (laughs) (laughs) but that's what it was like absolutely so has the issue of beauty and body image always been important to you not just for yourself but for other people in the world yeah absolutely because I think for me um with that feeling of not qualifying for a beauty contest I always thought it was just me but then the more conversations I had and I'm sure you found this too with friends and and even people who you think would fit society's standards also felt the same those same people were like actually you know what I don't even qualify and I feel like this and it seemed to be a really universal thing well in my world anyway um that was always a conversation and I'm sure you found this too that uh, appearance is always part of the conversation with women. It's always somehow relevant. So you feel like you end up talking about that topic a lot growing up with girlfriends at school and um, it seemed to be a conversation everywhere. Mm, you're right. And for me, it was a big shock. Like I went through primary school not caring about anything of my appearance. Like I just didn't <laughs> care. And then you went to high school and you're like, oh, like all these girls are wearing makeup and they care about clothes. And all of a sudden you feel this kind of pressure to to do that as well so I think it's really interesting about you know I think girls so young unfortunately are, are thinking about their appearance and it's it's worrying mm, it's true and I, I think you know a lot of the Disney narratives have a lot to answer for I know, I know they're changing it a lot now but I think the kids shows are always about you know that one day there was a beautiful princess and it's like always mentioning attractiveness so I think you think oh that's important it gets mentioned a lot this is important that's the message you get even when you're little which is so concerning um, I think things are changing a little bit now, but that that was what it was like for me. Yeah, it's true. You're absorbing it, you know. So even if you're not noticing it, you I think you're absorbing that everything is about this beautiful princess who, you know, is saved by a prince and <laughs> always very attractive and wearing a beautiful dress. And we can't all live up to that every single day. Exactly. And <laughs> we all have waste as well. <laughs> and thank goodness for that. <laughs> It's a really lovely story about empowering young girls and showing that, like you said, we all have our insecurities. But I really think it's important for not just little girls, but boys as well, to encourage them to really have that self-confidence and love, whether they're, you know, a bit shorter than people in their class or they don't look like other people or whatever their hair colour is. Like there's a point where kids love themselves and don't care and then they sort of hit that tween age where suddenly it becomes so important. So I think books like yours are really important in trying to instill that different narrative. Well, thank you. Yes. And I, well, and that's what I liked about 
having the option of writing children's books was you get to get in early before they hit puberty and start having changes and going, oh, why am I covering that thing? I thought, you know, it's it's great to, I thought that's what I love about the advantage of writing children's books is you get to get in when those messages are forming. I think they say it's like the age of seven and all your kids, mm. your beliefs are formed. So I thought what better way to get the messaging than to go early. Yeah, that's right. And I have a seven-year-old daughter and I'm very mindful of, you know, I, I think she's beautiful, but I always want to say with her, oh, you're so smart or you're so clever or you're so funny or you're so creative. So it's always that narrative in your head is like make it about, you know, the whole person and not just, um, you know, change that narrative a bit. So I think we're all trying to do our, our little bit. We've got to balance it out, I think, with all the Disney films. <laughs> yes, it's so true. It sounds like you're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> you try, you try. <laughs> Now, you're a beauty therapist as well. Did this line of work influence your story? It actually did. Surprisingly, I um, when I signed up to do beauty therapy, I I just I don't think I thought it through. I thought I, I didn't realize you had to do all of the treatments on each other. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh wait, I have to get all these treatments. And so you're in a room full of girls and a couple of guys, and and you're all on these beds. And I found the whole process at first. I was like, this is excruciating. But then eventually, it being funnily enough. Um, training in beauty therapy was really healing for me. It's actually part of the reason I feel like I, I got over a lot of these problems for myself. Um, like for example, one day I remember lying on the bed and we had just done facials and my skin, which is already covered in freckles and all sorts of things. Had a, I had an allergic reaction and I had one of those um, hair nets on and I'm wrapped up and my face is on fire. Just waxed my eyebrows. Oh. I mean, fell and I'm pretty sure I had walked on my feet and I was feeling insecure. I was just hyper insecure and, and the guy that I had a crush on wheeled up on a chair next to me and goes, hey, how are you going? And, and I thought, this is excruciating. But at the same time, the more that I showed up and I stayed in that place that was really painful, it, was, it just became healing. It's like that thing that um, Brene Brown talks about, which is you go from excruciating to exquisite. Mm. If you show up and you're seen as your authentic self for, and you, keep, you stay in that place of being seen when it feels hard, it's actually becomes really healing and it becomes yeah. exquisite. And that's actually what happened for me. That plus therapy and you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like that idea. And I always say this on the podcast about vulnerability, you know, and I always think vulnerability is a really important quality to have. And it's funny because when I was younger, I thought, no, no, you have to be strong. You, know, you have to be a strong woman and you have to be this and you have to be that. But I've actually... I think for for all of us that vulnerability actually makes you stronger because you're acknowledging all those bits and pieces that you're made up of and you can't be strong 24 hours a day it's impossible and it's hard and it's not real so true it's, you can't be strong when you're in traffic and you've got five people <laughs> you know in the right lane who are going 90 in a hundred and so i just drove home in traffic so i can relate <laughs> beauty therapy as well I mean I guess it's not always just about the appearance but it's making people feel confident about themselves did you feel that that was part of that line of work yeah absolutely confident and also I it definitely um equips people to have the skills to um I guess look after their skin and hair in the ways that they they like I know even things like for my skin's dry and I learned that liquid makeup is important and even though you know, um, it's a whole other area of conversation, I'm sure, makeup and those things. But for me, looking after myself was something that made me feel good. And to be, have the tools to be able to do that was great. And, and I think also um, there is a therapeutic component where it's really um, relaxing and safe and they make sure that, you know, the room has, you know, no particular aroma so you're not triggered by any memories or, you know, <laughs> everything's very tailored to making you feel like you have a safe space to go where you don't have to do anything, you're, you know, you're really relaxed and there's a really beautiful therapeutic part of it and um, mm. really it's great. 
I like that. I want to go to that nice safe space right now. Yeah, <laughs> That's <too>. really nice. <laughs> now, I'm really interested in how you work with an illustrator and you know, the collaborative process. And sometimes the writer and the author, they don't collaborate at all. It's all, you know, you use the publisher as the conduit. What was your experience collaborating with the illustrator? Yeah, I was really lucky in that we um, we had a fantastic middle name middleman named Mary from Larrikin House, <laughs> and she was fantastic. So there was a lot of emails, and and Mary guided most of those because um, Rebecca, the illustrator, who was wonderful, as you can see in the images, mm. uh, she lived in Queensland. So um, I started by writing a bunch of notes that I I wanted, and Mary would pass those on, and um, and we kind of went back and forth through Mary, but. I think Mary found a way of just condensing all of the points, like making them really clear because I'd have a thousand things I could ramble on through. <laughs> but Beck was also so flexible and I learned also let her do her thing as well. Um, stop being picky and, and wanting to have a hundred things on there because, you know, you just want to put all your best things in one hit. Um, so, yeah, it was really the art of having an amazing middleman, um, I would say. Mm, I really like that idea and I like the way... Um... So you work with your illustrator, but I like how I've heard sometimes illustrators sort of didn't then tells their own narrative in visual form. And I just find that really interesting. Did you find some surprises when the illustrations came back? Reggie's got a cat. I love it. And you can see it tracking through the book. And um, and it was beautiful things, like even some of the characters, the school children that um, Rebecca drew were beautiful. And I was like, oh, I love this. Like so many small details that she put. It's like an own little, like a, an illustrator story going mm. through yeah, as well. it's like um, Andy Griffiths used to put um, Terry Denton would put little illustrations on the corner of the of every yes. Book. Yeah, when you open the book, you see a series <laughs> of illustrations, and it was its own story. And I find illustrators have that they they create their own stories too. Mm -hmm. I love. And I love that because it's something that, you know, you couldn't create on your own and you get another person involved and you've got this sort of richer, more complex story because there's almost two parallel stories going on. I really like that. Yes, and I think another thing Beck did amazing was um, convey emotion. There was like, I'm like, I really want this to be powerful and, you know, and I want it to be like Oprah reading it, but it didn't <laughs> have to because Beck's illustrations, just the facial expressions that she drew on Reggie, I couldn't have even imagined it being that amazing. It was like, oh, you don't even need words in this book, just, just a picture book. Like. <laughs> and her hair, it was just glorious. It was so <laughs> yeah. bright and so big. And even though, you know, at the beginning she's disliking her hair, you're thinking, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. I think Beck said that was her favorite part was drawing the hair she said mm, I can imagine and it was good all the other um like you said all the other students there you know looking different and you could see that they had their own things going on so it was yeah I really enjoyed it I thought it was great now I believe that uh Fergie read this book on her YouTube channel how did that feel when she was reading that aloud that must have been amazing oh it was amazing it was amazing like firstly that's it's, it's bloody Fergie I was like that's incredible <laughs> and secondly I was like right if anyone's experienced you know discrimination for being a redhead with freckles it's Fergie like if anyone's been compared and scrutinized and picked on for being that exact thing it's her and uh, I think at one point in the reading she says I used to have this problem too in her amazing accent that, that wasn't me trying to do the accent by the way <laughs> I wouldn't attempt it um but and I thought, oh, I'm so glad. Like, I just felt so lucky. I just can't believe that even happened. Mm, it is. It's so wonderful. And I really like people with a platform and an audience. They're kind of giving back. And it's so easy. You know, they're just giving back by reading someone's story aloud on the YouTube channel. And, you know, it's so easy, but it's so wonderful for, for writers. Um, and she's, I know she's been doing a couple of Australian authors. So that's really cool. 
She has. And I, I think I, um, I looked her up on Wikipedia and she'd written 74 books herself. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she, um, her whole concept was that she, um, she thought it was a really massive deal to write a book and that it should be celebrated. So that's why she's celebrating. Oh, love Fergie. Good for her. That's good for her. It's so good. I love people giving back because she doesn't have to do any of that. You know, I'm sure she's, you know, she's just fine the way she is. So it's, it's oh, great. I'm- if I'm Fergie, I'm lying around in the palace having a drink. I'm not doing that. So good for her. Eating sandwiches on my banana lounge. <laughs> exactly right. Do you want to read a little bit of Reggie Red to us? Because um, I've had some really good feedback from people saying they really enjoyed story time. So maybe yeah. you want to read a little bit of a snippet to us so we can get a feel of Reggie Red. Yeah, sure. With freckles and curls, so big and so red, Reggie felt worried. Just look at my head. Others have hair that is brown, blonde and flat. How can I make my hair look like that? That night, Reggie yanked and tussled, pulling it down with all of her muscle. Taking a bottle of chocolate sauce, Reggie Red squeezed with all of her force. She snuck in and tried on her grandma's old wig. Silver and grey is better than big. Reggie then raided her makeup pots and frantically coloured in all of her dots. But Reggie grew tired as nothing would last. And now she was feeling quite sad and downcast. Her eyes had begun to fill up with tears. So Reggie decided to tell mum her fears. Mum, she said, this red's here to stay. And these crazy curls just won't go away. Look at these pictures of girls here online. Their bodies and faces are so not like mine. Mum leant in close and whispered, my dear, grandmom said something I'd like you to hear. Beauty is like the roots of a tree, the parts that matter, the ones you can't see. So not a hair nor a toe need be replaced, but every last part completely embraced. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That was a lovely snippet. And as you were reading that, I, I see that she's trying the chocolate sauce. I'm just <laughs> thinking back to my primary school days where I put lemon in my hair. <laughs> was that a bleach thing? Yeah, apparently it made your hair lighter. And, you know, you can probably see how dark my hair is. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> now, Josie, I ask uh, this question to all the guests that come on to the podcast. Why do you write uh, two reasons. <laughs> One, I love the art of writing. I really enjoy it. I, um, as I said before, I love running music. I, I like things that rhyme and have sound and bounce. And I like the art of getting the perfect flow of a sentence. That's one part is that. Mm. Um, the other part is I find creativity in writing a really good way of building resilience for myself. Um, for example, I'm, I'm really passionate about obviously body image but also gender equality and I have a lot of anger about it I think about it all the time and I was um my favorite author Rob Bell says this on his podcast he said okay so you've deconstructed this problem you've told me all the things that are wrong with it and now so now what are you going to make so basically what are you going to do to how are you going to use your creativity to contribute to the solution the problem so for me this is oh this is where my anger is now I, I put it into a book because it's like creating and writing is is healing for me in that way but it also gives me something to do with the things that I want to change rather than sitting around making a long Facebook post you know (laughs) know, and Facebook preaching you know for me it's it's building resilience and um and doing something about the things I'm passionate about 
Mm, well, that's a great answer. I really like that. And it, it's true. And I think, um, you know, I quite like the editing process because you're trying to just build something to make it better and better. And, I, you know, we spoke to Jackie French the other day and she was like, oh, no, you just got to you got to get edited hard. You know, she said, because you've got all these people focusing on your work and you've got to just, you know, appreciate that. And even if it's hard to hear, um, you know, if you can get the best work from the most criticism, do that. And like, it's Jackie French. As if you're going to take anyone else's advice. Oh, absolutely. I was like, Jackie French, ghost write it. Whatever Jackie says goes. True. And, but you're right. It is really vulnerable. And I think um, that's the thing with creativity. You do, it's like the Reggie thing. You show up and, and you get seen and you get seen hard. Yep. <laughs> you really get seen and you have to kind of sit in that, be brave and, and let people see your work. And, um, and I think you might have found this yourself. I get, and it also at the same time, whilst offering up, you also have to hold it loosely because, and let the people who who know what to do do what they need to do as well. Yeah, um, I find that part the trickiest part is is you know often it's the, your favorite paragraph that you write that you have to delete later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's um I think sometimes you don't see things yourself, and then someone will say something about your writing. You're like, oh yeah, like how did I see that? I've written this and read this. 500 times and I still didn't see it so having those fresh eyes those fresh professional eyes over your work I think that's um invaluable yes that's so true and it, it can be so helpful to have that person and if you're willing to hear them which I'm working on that I'm doing that um it, it's so helpful to let them to let them add their flavor to it yeah um, it's yeah great. And, and I learned for me too that I um to keep creating and editing separate because I know yourself you probably find this as an author you do do a little bit of editing before you show anyone yourself mm -hmm. and that um, a friend of mine said to me there's creating and then there's editing just never cross them over mm -hmm. so when you're creating get all the all the weird and wonderful ideas out with no judgment and once you feel like you've gotten all the ideas out then you edit rather mm -hmm. than shaping it halfway through and I feel like that's also really helpful too yeah I do too and it's funny because I actually use a different process for both so I've been handwriting all creative stuff and just making big messes on paper and then when I feel like I've got something then I put it on the laptop so it's interesting that I've mm. you've said that and I just thought to myself I've got two different processes for the creative and the editing Oh, I like that. It must be something about having it in your hands. And like, yeah, I do like that. I must be old school, but I do like writing on paper. <laughs> no, it's great. I think a lot of people love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Josie. I really loved Reggie Red and I thought it was, you know, obviously, like I said, it resonated with me. And I was thinking about, you know, traumatised me, thinking about all the lemons I put in my hair and, you know, spending so much time worrying about your appearance when there are so many better things you can be worrying about. You know, like you said, yes, know how to take care of yourself because that's part of self-care. But, you know, there are so many, we're so much richer and more complex than just the skin that we've been wrapped in and born in and have no choice about. So I think your book is really empowering and I, I like the book in terms of it. You know, giving kids another narrative. So it's going to be pretty hard to compete with, um, you know, the narrative that they get from mainstream films that like we discussed. But it's in, that's why it's important to sort of to counteract that. So thank you so much for the chat and uh, for putting that out in the world. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast and I'm really honoured to be here. So thank you. Thank you, Josie.